sit back, relax, you got nothing to lose. What do you think I'm about to show you? The female of the species is more deadly than a male. Show me a movie, you can say it again. Just wait till you see what I did at the end. The female of the species is more deadly than a Hello, everyone, and welcome to an extra spooky Halloween-themed episode of More Deadly, where we review horror movies directed exclusively by women-identified directors that prove that the female of the species is more deadly than the male, even on Halloween. (laughs) More Deadly is a trans-inclusive podcast where we celebrate the work of cis and trans women, as well as non-binary filmmakers who are comfortable being included in a space that centers the work of women. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is, okay, if you were to take a person and make it a fun size candy, she would be the pumpkin-shaped Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, <laughs> a.k.a. the best <laughs> Halloween candy, Ariel! Wow. That is the kindest and strangest compliment I've ever gotten. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, Reese's... That's like that when you get your candy at the end of the night. See, I miss being a kid because I know me too. Many reasons. Most of them was just like not the constant weight of existential dread and the knowledge of my impending death on my shoulder at all (laughs) times. But also I miss the candy at Halloween. And I you'd open the bag and like I don't know about you, but I would do the sort. Yep. And there was like the good candy and the bad candy. And then here's the question. Did you just like toss the bad candy? Did you give the bad candy away? Or did you like like do some sort of rationing where you eat the shitty candy and like save the good candy or you know like what was your candy i think we usually ate the good stuff first and then Mm. eventually made it to the bad things you know but we also would like do trades with our like with my siblings and uh my friend cody used to host like halloween at her house and we would play poker sometimes afterwards when we were kids and you would play candy yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm just like picturing a bunch of kids like i don't know like playing pool and smoking cigars and playing poker and (laughs) oh have i never talked about how into cards i was when i was a kid no this is new information look at us still learning about each other (laughs) i got hooked on that movie maverick do you remember that with mel gibson and jodie foster yep oh i was obsessed with it when i was a kid and my dad taught me how to play all these different card games. I actually got in trouble at school one time for starting like a gambling ring and uh, <laughs> when I was in elementary school. The criminal mastermind. I had Listen, no idea. I had two parents who packed healthy lunches and I wanted those pudding cups, you know? <laughs> You're like, fuck this carob. I want some J-E-L-L-O. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I never knew that about you, Ariel. No, that <laughs> is a treat. That is a treat. Uh, oh, my goodness. So it's. We are full disclosure, guys. We are recording this ahead of time, so it's not technically spooky season. But we're like putting on spooky season pod drag right now and pretending that it is. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but we're gonna talk about it a little bit. So 
let's pretend it's already spooky season. Ariel, I love spooky season. I assume you like spooky season. Yeah, of course. What is your favorite part of this time of year? Mm, That's a good question. I mean, I think part of it is just that like everybody is focused on horror. Right. (laughs) There's like this huge like communal feeling that's That's just so much fun. Yeah, just because like most of the year, other people don't watch horror movies like we do. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. And it's fun to be able to talk to more people about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like aesthetically, I'm very into everything about this time of year. Obviously, all the spooky stuff is in the store. I go to Spirit Halloween and I think uh, this is a very appropriate place for me to buy my wardrobe for this year. (laughs) I I do need blood covered white pumps like that is definitely something that I need. But I also love the weather. I love the clothes in fall are the best. It's not cold yet. So it's just like cozy time of year where you're just cozy all the time (laughs) and like listen i know i know this is a cliche but pumpkin spice lattes fuck okay i love them and i can spice everything is pretty good so hell yes like the air smells like coldness and 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 with just like a whisper of pumpkin spice Mm -hmm. everywhere yes so i have to give matilda credit for this but we have hacked the pumpkin spice to get the perfect pumpkin spice latte oh okay you gotta go to pete's that's p-e-e-t-s for those people who you don't have around you i apologize this is not for you but for those of you in a radius of a pete's what you do is you order half the syrup twice the spice oh then, then it's okay. not super sweet Oh. But it is super cinnamon, nutmeggy. Okay, that yeah, like, sounds oh. delightful. Because mm. yeah, sometimes they're way too sweet. Way so. too sweet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the older I get, the less I can tolerate that sickly sweet. I've been noticing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't need it. Like what you right. what you're actually after is the spice. Mm-hmm. It's not the sweet. Yep. So so that is my pro tip to you. Happy Halloween. You're welcome. That is here's the thing is like when you get older you don't get to trick or treat anymore like pumpkin yeah, spice lattes are your Halloween true. candy. I know candy tastes so much better when you don't have to buy it for yourself. Yeah, when you go in big like you know Oliver Twist style like please sir, <laughs> may I have another or I will egg your house. <laughs> but yeah, I love Halloween. I love this time of year. There's and like obviously also it's when everybody I mean it's I know this is a result of commercialism and capitalism and all late mm-hmm. stage capitalism and yep. you know seize the means of production but <laughs> also there's so much more horror stuff to watch like oh, all I the know. stuff comes out uh yeah i don't know good time yeah, there's just a huge influx plus it gets cool enough that i can actually bake again which is really nice gotta get you back here i want to be benefiting from all this baking that's gonna be happening uh all right so i know it's not happening quite yet because like i said we are traveling through time but like your neighborhood is so weird does it do anything weird for halloween no and it's so lame rachel Mm. it's so lame like they're all weirdos like all year round especially during the summer and then fall hits and nothing i mean there's cool like people decorate and that's kind of neat but other than that, nothing. There's no kids that trick or treat anywhere near me. Whoa. It's bizarre. Yeah. I mean, it could be that there used to be, but every behind every door, the trick and treat was like <laughs> a naked dude. <laughs> it scared all the kids away. I mean, like when you're in a Donald Duck costume, I want you to be in a Donald Duck costume, not Donald Ducking it. <laughs> Fair enough. And like your neighborhood did not get that memo. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, are you going to dress up this year? Uh, probably not. No. Mm. Are you? 
I don't, I'm thinking about it. I'm in a new house. I might throw a Halloween party you this should. year. You I kind of want to dress up like the character in this movie. I may have oh spent a little time on the internet trying to find a dress today. Yes, <laughs> do it. Are you going to get the belly, though? That's the question. Of course. Of course. <laughs> That's an essential part of it. You yeah. have to do the belly. Okay, cool. Yeah. Speaking of which, this is a great segue. Look at us. Yeah. We're so good at this. We are going to be reviewing a little film today uh, called Prevenge from 2016, which was written and directed by Alice Lowe. And I picked this movie this time because... Like I said, we're planning ahead a little bit, but we were like, what is a good woman-directed horror film that has a Halloween element to it? There's obviously Tales of Halloween has some segments that are by woman directors. We talked mm-hmm. about that a little bit. But we wanted to do something that was 100% woman-written and directed. And that's when we came up with the idea of talking about a film that, you know, not to get ahead of ourselves, I think we both love, that has a very essential plot point that occurs on at a halloween party oh yeah so we decided prevenge was the way to go all right but before we get into any of that ariel let anybody who may have wandered in off the streets into our spooky halloween podcast party (laughs) Uh what our spoiler policy is (laughs) Yeah, so eventually we are going to spoil this whole darn movie. But first, Rachel is going to tell you about the director and the making of the film. And then we'll give you some kind of non-spoiler thoughts, a little short review, let you know whether you should check it out, kind of give you the vibes. And then Rachel will let you know when it's spoiler time. And after that, you got to go either watch it or just stick with us. <laughs> Heck yeah. All right. Let me tell you about one Alice Lowe. She, I'm just, I mean, I could sum it up with, she's so cool. She's so cool. <laughs> but I'm going to give you more details on okay. that. Okay. So Alice Lowe is a writer, director, and actor from England. <laughs> she grew up in Coventry, West Midlands in England, and she graduated from the King's College of Cambridge, where she studied not filmmaking, not theater, but the classics. Oh, interesting. I love mm-hmm. that. Especially considering that that is definitely a theme that comes into the film we'll be talking right. about today. So it was actually at college that she first started getting involved with theater and comedy. And if you're familiar with her work, you will not be surprised that it actually began not just only in college, but in surreal experimental theater shows. Oh, really? (laughs) That makes Uh sense. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And she performed along with um, people who, if you are someone who is like me, a little bit of an Anglophile, a little bit of a fan of, of British comedy, Robert Webb and David Mitchell. Do you know who that is? I do not. Okay. Well, they had a show called The Mitchell and Webb Show, but I'm most familiar with them from their work on a little show called Peep Show. Have you oh, ever seen that? I haven't. No. I mean, I watch a lot of British TV, but it's all murder mysteries. So Girl. I don't dive into the comedy that much. This thing will murder your funny bone, but <laughs> it is, it's like, it's all like um, the way it's shot, you're always like, watching the other person first person like uh-huh. you're basically and you're here and then you get a voiceover of what they're thinking while they're like things are playing out it's okay. very 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 funny it's the first thing i ever saw olivia coleman in. it's fantastic also you may know them from the meme have you ever seen the meme where it's like two nazis and one of them's like wait are we the baddies <laughs> yeah that's them okay okay anyway but i'm totally sidetracking let's get back on track so she worked with them she went on to star in several theater productions tv shows films including 
where I first saw her in Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. She was also in a ton of other amazing things like The Mighty Boosh, which is an all-time favorite oh, of wow. mine. Black Books, which is another all-time favorite of mine. Little Britain, the films Hot Fuzz and World's End. Oh, yes. Love those. And then also she not only starred in, but co-wrote Sightseers with filmmaker Ben Wheatley, who I love right. because he made Kill List. And more recently and strangely, The Meg 2, but we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> Yes, and in addition to all that, she's also written three seasons, or series, as they say, across the pond, of a surreal dark comedy for the BBC Radio 4 called Alice's Wonderland. Ooh, fun. Okay. So I need to get my earballs on that immediately. In addition to all of that, she also co-wrote and starred in a short film called Stiffy which was directed by Jacqueline Wright, <laughs> which premiered at Cannes in 2005. It, I believe it involves necrophilia, so we'll have to oh. let Sarah know about it. Um, and then... Yeah, uh, perfect for her. <laughs> her self-pinned short film, Sticks and Balls, was screened at Cannes in 2007. <laughs> uh-huh. Stiffy and Sticks and Balls, huh? You're getting the theme here, yeah, right? Yeah, okay. just a little bit. Okay. okay. <laughs> Um, in 2010, along with Wright again, she uh, founded her production company, Jackal Films, and they made a short film every month of that year. Oh, damn. Yep. That's impressive. Yes. Um, in 2014, she directed an incredible sounding horror short called Solitudo about a nun working in solitude at a ruined convent that begins being stalked by a sinister creature. Ooh. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Prevenge is Alice's first feature directorial debut, um, which came out, like I said, in 2016. I know it's wild that this is a first feature, but I mean, she's obviously done a lot in the. Yeah, I guess that's true. She's got a lot of experience. She just hadn't done a full length film. And since then, she's like largely returned mostly to acting, um, except this is actually perfect time because. I know when we talked about this film in the past on Zombie Girls, uh, we didn't know what she was doing, right? But now we do. She's actually directed, written and directed her second feature film called Time Stalker. She also stars in it, which is now in post-production. Oh, so we're going to get it soon? Yes. Okay. So it is about a woman named Agnes Lowe. Uh, who falls in love with the wrong man and then gets reincarnated over and over again and keeps falling for him over and over, traveling. First, it starts in the 1680s of Western Scotland, moves to rural England in the 1790s, then 1980s Manhattan, and then finally in an apocalyptic 22nd century. Oh, interesting. I bet the costumes are going to be really cool. Oh, they're going to be awesome. So in addition to her, uh, it's going to start Jacob Anderson from Game of Thrones and Interview with the Vampire. Nick Frost, who, of course, she was in the Cornetto trilogy films with. And Kate Dickey. Oh, okay. (laughs) No word yet if she's breastfeeding in it, but let's just assume she is. (laughs) So, so yeah. So there's more coming from Alice, and I'm very, very excited about it. Does IMDb tell you what genre it is? So it's comedy like i think it's another dark comedy okay but this one also has some like romance and fantasy and sci-fi elements interesting okay so not really fun. horror no, but but, but genre still so i'm definitely gonna i mean yeah. here's the thing is her sense of humor runs very dark mm-hmm. so even if it's not horror i think it'll like you know 
satisfy that dark side of my preferences. <laughs> right, right, yeah. yeah. All right, so let's talk about Prevenge. So this one actually has an interesting, interesting story about how it came about. Directing a film was something that she had been wanting to do for a long time. For like 10 years, she'd been like wanting to figure out some way to direct a film in between her acting gigs. And she had sort of reached this point where she was worried that she had run out of time. Um, she was pregnant. I think she was 35. And, you know, that's like, ah, you know. Yeah. So in an interview with IndieWire, she talked a little bit about it. She said, if you're a woman over 35, no one is going to hand you a free pass. You have to work your ass off. And that is what I'm doing now. She mm. was, yeah. So she, like I said, she was pregnant at the time. When and she was writing it? Yeah. Well, because here's the thing is it happens super fast. Okay. So she was pregnant at the time and she was like, okay, I have essentially closed the door to my directing opportunities. She said, I, I was kind of giving up the idea of directing because I just thought you don't get female directors with tiny babies making films. I kind oh. of thought, well, that's it. Thankfully, in this case, she was wrong and fate intervened. Western Edge Pictures offered Lowe the money to make a low-budget film, like kind of out of nowhere, but no strings attached except for that it had to be done really quickly. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, that's great to be handed money on a silver platter, but then being yeah. told you have to turn it around really quickly while you're pregnant, it was probably intimidating. <laughs> yeah. So at first she was intimidated and she turned it down. Oh no. It's because specifically she was pregnant. And then she kind of had this epiphany, this realization that like she could actually use that to benefit the film. She took all the anger and frustration she was feeling and the fear and the resentment and all those things that she was feeling about, like, the way that her pregnancy was going to impact her career and the way that, you know, she was not getting the opportunities that she wanted. And she just yeah. channeled all of that into this film. Yeah, you can feel it for sure. Okay, so I pulled this quote again. This is from IndieWire. She said, it's those pressures times 20 if you're an actress where there's people's perceptions of you everywhere. Suddenly you're a mother and people think different about you and you don't have control over your job anymore. All of this stuff. I was feeling fairly grim and dark about it and I just put it in this film. Yeah, I mean, I think you can feel that rage. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, which is probably why we're both so obsessed with this movie. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Despite all this, right, like despite feeling like she was going to be judged or any of those kinds of things, she actually felt pretty confident stepping into the role of the director. And I love this quote that she gave to film school rejects about it and her experience of people's perceptions versus her actual ability. Okay. So she said, I've been making a lot of films for a lot of years, not as a director per se, but I'm a writer. I've produced, I've been on set for more than 15 years. I kind of feel like I'm overqualified to do this yet. Still you have this thing of, Oh, are you going to be able to do this as an actress? Are you going to be able to direct? And I'm like, hang on, you're giving this opportunity to a 26 year old guy who's never stepped foot on a set. And that's not perceived as a risk. And yet I'm perceived as a risk. You even with all the experience that I have. And I find that crazy and weird. Yeah, it's bullshit. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And she makes like a really great point. I feel like she has seen so many directors do their thing. She understands the process of filmmaking. Like she probably knows a lot of people and can put the right people in the right positions. Of course, she's perfectly qualified for this. Yeah. I mean, because there are a lot of people that, 
make movies and it's like their first feature film is like the first thing they've ever done you know Mm -hmm. so I definitely think she's obviously had way more experience than that so she also shared some of the inspiration behind the film things that like she like uh, aesthetically or thematically or performance wise Mm -hmm. she looked at things like taxi driver possession the one with uh a you know, Sam Neill, where the lady goes crazy. Brian, you right. said this. Yeah, yeah. Um, Eyes Wide Shut. Oh, oh. Yes. Yes. She, as far as music, she looked to The King Inside by Kate Bush, the Clockwork Orange soundtrack. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. And then some other, like, really interesting things, like Marie Laveau's Tomb from New Orleans impacted the aesthetics, like all the wow. voodoo art and things like okay. that. She said, I had this idea that Ruth is an artist. So she draws and is fascinated by female deities and fertility gods. People visit the tomb of Marie Laveau, who was a voodoo practitioner, and put three crosses on it as part of a rite. In Ruth's kill book, she uses she puts three crosses as an expression of curse, wish fulfillment against her enemies. Right. Yeah, that scrapbook is really cool. It is really cool. She also looked to classical revenge stories and things about the furies who were the goddesses of vengeance in greek mythology Mm -hmm. so again there's that classics background yeah that makes a lot of sense did the eyes wide shut thing have anything to do with the halloween party in the movie i'm not really sure i'm wondering if it has to do with maybe some of the like relationship dynamics i don't really Hmm. know okay to be honest it's been a really long time since i've seen eyes wide shut yeah, I mean, me too. I think I it was like high school or something when I saw it. Yes, me too. Definitely high school. So, principal <laughs> photography <so> funny. <laughs> mainly took place in Cardiff, Wales over the course of 11 days. Jeez. I yep. don't understand how people make movies so quickly. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's too fast. How are you getting it all done? I mean, she did, though. She did. I mean, here's the thing is in part... It was because she was pregnant and though. Right. There's a, yeah. Ticking clock. Sure. There's a ticking clock. There's <laughs> continuity issues. Mm, um, right. Yeah. Essentially, she knew she had to like turn this thing around really quickly because I mean, for one thing, that was a stipulation of getting the money to make the film. But also by the time the camera started rolling, she would be seven and a half months pregnant. Oh, wow. So she was really pregnant. So in that scene in the bathtub, that's yeah. her. That's like uh-huh. not a fake belly. Okay. Oh, gotcha. no, no, no. All of that is her. All of that is. I okay. mean, I. I mean, I don't know about the C-section scene, but like everything. No, else. that wasn't real. Yeah. Okay. So, she did it. She made it. She when she got to the edit, she was like fine with all the continuity things. However, one other kind of fun detail is, but that before the film officially wrapped, Lo gave birth to a daughter. Aww. A baby girl named Della. Oh, I like that. Who was actually able to play Ruth's daughter. The newborn at the time, 10 days old in the film. That is so cool. First mm-hmm. of all, that baby was adorable. Mm-hmm. But also think about when you get older. <laughs> like yeah. your mom made this badass horror movie while she was pregnant with you. And then you yeah. got to like have a little starring cameo. Yeah. And if she goes on to say like if work in the industry, she'll be like, yeah, my first uh, I've been working since I was 10 days old. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. So the film was released in cinemas uh, in the UK in February 2017, and it received overwhelmingly positive reviews from critics. It currently still has a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. 
That's crazy. Uh, That's really impressive because a lot of times they go down over time. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Nope. It is still kicking it up in the 90s. It was nominated for a British Independent Film Award and won the Monster Innovation Award at the Monster Fest in 2016. Ooh, awesome. Very cool. So for those of you at home who have not seen this, first of all, what are you doing? you got to watch it. It's so much fun. It is available to stream on Shutter and AMC+. Plus. Plus, it's available to rent and buy on all of the VOD platforms. So it's very, very gettable, and you should get it. Absolutely. All right. That is what I have got for Prevent. Amazing. All right. So let's get into our non-spoilery review. I've been talking a lot. Sick of hearing my voice. I want to hear yours. Ariel, <laughs> in a non-spoilery way. Tell me what you thought of this movie. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I love this movie. You know, this is only the second time I've seen it. I watched it when we covered it, I don't know, five or six years ago um, mm -hmm. for the Zombie Girls. And I really liked it then. But sometimes when you revisit a film, like some of the luster has worn off. Uh -oh. You know what I mean? Or uh -oh. like, or like <laughs> sometimes uh -oh. you'll watch something and it's like it was only really good because of a twist, right? Mm -hmm. But this I still loved. It's really fun. It's fairly fast paced. The kills come at a good clip. I mean, it yeah. basically starts with a murder. <laughs> yeah. And then on top of that, it's like a very different take on maternal horror than I've ever seen before. I've never seen anything done quite like this before or <laughs> since. <laughs> it's also a revenge movie like I've never seen before. Yeah. Alice Lowe is compelling and she's fun to watch which is really good because she's like 90% of the movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I kind of feel like even though there isn't a ton of dialogue in this movie, by the end, I really knew who she was as a person. Yeah. I also think that this movie like does require some interesting things from you. Like not only does it have a lot of conversations about like pregnancy and motherhood, and we'll get into that in spoilers, I'm sure. But there's also this interesting revenge piece where like, you know how a lot of times in revenge movies, things like Last House on the Left or whatever, the people that you're seeking revenge on have done something like so heinous and so violent and unforgivable that like no matter what lengths you go to, it's all it all feels justified as a viewer. I think in this movie, it's a little more complicated than that. Like her hunting people isn't always as like justified do you know what i mean mm -hmm. like even when people are terrible in the movie they're not like last house on the left terrible if that yeah. makes sense and okay. so because of that it makes the movie like more complicated and interesting like the conversation it's having about why she's doing what she's doing right like right. what's propelling her forward what emotions are behind it if, mm -hmm. you know anyways yeah. we'll get into it in spoilers but i liked it it's fun it's a great time i think it's a perfect movie for halloween because you're gonna have fun and there's like you know a good amount of murder in it which is always great and some <laughs> costumes at the end <laughs> that is true that is true yeah so i love this movie i love everything about this movie yeah. i love the dark humor i love the wit i think lowe's performance is stellar i think she is an incredible comedic actor but like really gets to show off her dramatic chops in this she is rage embodied and vulnerability embodied and then in a minute she can flip a dime and just be so flat and hilarious I don't know I just think it is a 
stellar, stellar performance and beautifully written and beautifully directed and really is such a showcase for someone's t- like someone who is so talented. I love it aesthetically, both the costume at the end, which I'm sure we'll talk about. I love the use of the imagery of the Furies. I think, you know, the the dashes of red and the in like all of that really kind of worked for me. The close-ups of Lowe's face when she's just like full of madness or rage or despair, like all of those are just really cool. And and I think that this movie does something for me which I normally don't necessarily pick on up on is like I was really impressed as I was watching this again by the editing in this film. Mm. I think it's perfectly edited in terms of from a story perspective, but also just the way that it uses all of these sort of like quick cuts um, to slowly tease out the backstory. I just think it's brilliant. I think it's underseen. I think it's underappreciated. And I think that this is how you should celebrate Halloween this year, y'all. Yeah. Watch absolutely. Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be disappointed. I don't think so. Mm. I don't think so. All right. So that is our non-spoiler reviews. You guys now know what to do. If this sounds like something you're into, which if you're listening to the show, I'm guessing it is, <laughs> <laughs> then you should absolutely head to Shutter, head to AMC, head to whatever video on demand platform you prefer and check this movie out. She's got a new movie coming up. So you want to be prepared. You want to understand her directorial language. I don't think that's a thing. I may have just invented it. I don't know. I think that's a thing. Okay. Good. Language, style, you know. Yeah. 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 All right. This is me vamping, y'all. You know the drill. <laughs> Get out you of You know here. what to do. Get out of here. We're going into spoiler town. And I see the sign in the distance. Population us. Oh, we passed it. We're in the spoiler zone. Bye, spoiler adverse <laughs> people. Hello, weirdos. Let's get into this movie. All right, Ariel. Yes. Now that the spoilers have been lifted, let's get into the synopsis. Tell me about what this movie is about. Yeah, you're going to be so impressed with me. I actually wrote one out this time. Hmm. I'm always I, impressed with you. <laughs> I frequently forget because I'm always just thinking about the research. And when it's not my turn, I'm like, oh, it's a week off. Anyways. <laughs> but then you get to do it live. It's always so fun. <laughs> All right. So Alice Lowe, of course, plays our main character, a very pregnant woman named Ruth. The movie opens on Ruth going to a reptile store where she chats with the owner for a few minutes before slitting his throat. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep, yep. It gets started really quick. So through a series of flashbacks and like snippets of conversations that happen throughout the film, but I'm just going to tell you now. We learn that Ruth's husband died in a rock climbing accident when the other climbers decided that they had to cut him loose to save themselves, and he fell to his death. He kind of smashed open his skull. Sure did. Sure did. See, I forgot that there's like a moment where he's alive at the bottom. Yeah, it's pretty awful. Before you watch him die, I was like, that was way worse than I remembered. Yeah. I did not remember the camera lingering for so long. Because he looked so scared. Like, that's the thing that got me. heartbreaking. (gasps) So, unfortunately, he died the very same day that Ruth found out she was pregnant. We also learn very quickly that... The man that she killed, (laughs) she killed as part of a revenge plot that was planned by her unborn fetus. 
who mm. talks to her mm. from inside the womb. Twist. <laughs> this is why I was saying it's a different take on revenge and maternal horror than I've seen before. <laughs> yes. At some point, I'm going to make you watch Baby Blood. I, I always yeah. forget. But that's another one where like, but that baby wants blood, needs blood to, to live. To but, live. Right. Yeah. Right. It's feeding on people. But it's it's the same kind of. And in that one, Gary Oldman does the voice of the baby. Oh, interesting. It is. <laughs> it's like an uncredited role. Yeah. Weird. Only in the <laughs> only in the English dub though cuz it's like a weird French film. Oh. Mhm. What a strange role to take on as such a distinguished actor, you know? I don't know. <laughs> so Maybe he lost a bet. I don't know. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> So we also learn that there were six people involved in her husband's death, and she plans to kill them all. And uh, she keeps this sweet little scrapbook about it that Rachel was mentioning before. (laughs) So next, Ruth targets a gross DJ guy at a bar. Ugh. Ugh. Repulsive. Yeah. He takes her home, is disgusting, but luckily, she dispatches him fairly quickly by cutting off his testicles. You get to see it pop out of his body. It's pretty great. <laughs> so yep. after that, she goes in for a job interview with none other than Kate Dickey, who mm-hmm. is kind of a condescending jerk, but not to fear because Ruth slams her head into a desk and then slits her throat. Mm-hmm. Next up is Nandor, the climbing instructor. Yes. That's not technically his name, but uh, the first time. It's so weird. I have such cognitive dissonance when he's on screen. I know, because when I was watching it, I was like, oh, it's sweet Nandor. He can't possibly be a bad guy, you know? Ugh. So weird. he is the climbing instructor from her husband's accident. She goes in for a lesson, but she makes a comment about the rope not looking strong enough for seven people. And the guy realizes who she is and tells her that he can't work with her because she's pregnant. So he gets to live for now. <laughs> <laughs> then she goes to this guy's flat. It's like, I don't know, this random guy that she needs to kill. <laughs> she goes to his flat pretending that she needs a place to stay. First, she has this sort of nice flirty interaction with the guy's roommate, but when her target gets home, she stabs him through the eye with a statue thing and then kills the nice guy, too, because baby said so. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that's the one where you're like, oh, this is really morally ambiguous. Yeah, like, exactly. That's the one, and Yeah, the rest of them, you're kind of like, you know, popping your popcorn and being like, get him, girl. But this <laughs> one, this is the one where you go like, oh, wait a minute. This is a little more complicated than I thought it was right, going to be. Right, exactly. And I mean, listen, the baby is right. You shouldn't leave witnesses, but still, the guy was innocent. <laughs> <laughs> and like, gen- like, it was almost like this glimmer of hope of like, there could be something for her out there. Yep. Like, the loneliness doesn't have to be her only destiny yeah he was so kind yeah yeah that one was rough agreed so after that she pretends to be someone going door to door looking for donations and uh the door is answered by none other than yara Greyjoy because we gotta have more game of thrones representation (laughs) i love it (laughs) um but she's kind of a dick who doesn't like kids so ruth relatable content yeah uh uh-huh (laughs) uh-huh Ruth gets inside her home by asking to use the bathroom and then she and the woman get into like a physical struggle when Ruth goes to attack her and this woman ends up like punching her a bunch of times but when she thinks that she may have hurt Ruth's baby Ruth goes in for the kill and stabs her in the gut yep 
And uh, then she has to crawl out of a doggy door to get away from the cops. <laughs> and she almost gets stuck Winnie the Pooh style. <laughs> <laughs> then she dresses up to go to a Halloween party where Rachel, I'm sure, is going to go into great detail about this dress that she's wearing because it is beautiful. Oh, <laughs> beautiful red chiffon, vintage, like 70s vintage nightgown. Yes, is that the so dress pretty. to wear? Yes, that refer? is the one I'm referencing. Okay, okay. Just checking, just checking. <laughs> So she goes to this Halloween party once she gets all dressed up so that she can once again attempt to kill this climbing instructor. But unfortunately, while she's there, she goes into labor and he ends up helping her. So she ends up at the hospital. She gives birth via C-section. We see her adorable little baby. And there's this moment where you think everything's going to be okay as she realizes it's like a normal baby and not like a murder-hungry baby. But then she abandons the baby so that she can go push Nandor off a cliff. The end. <laughs> that ending. So good. <laughs> I love it where she just like goes full fury at the yes. end. Oh, oh my God. Okay. All right. So it's interesting that you're saying how this is something you've never quite seen done this way because I was like clued into ways that th this film sort of predated some other films that have explored similar themes, mm -hmm. specifically around the cost of revenge. Yeah. And the uh, ambiguous, to say, you know, to describe it lightly, um, morality around revenge. And so, yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree with you. That's not like brand new territory. I more meant that I had never seen anything like a fetus telling a mother to kill people. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no, I get it. I get it. I'm, what I'm okay. saying is just like you were pointing, like you were kind of like noting the differences and I was noting similarities. Okay. That was, I was not saying, <laughs> I was, yeah, anyway. Um, like what I think about this is, is great about this is like, you know, we saw something like this in violation, which is brilliant and a movie that we both love very much, Yeah, but it is also very emotionally expensive to watch that film. Mm -hmm. It is punishing as it should be. And so it evokes like very, it very effectively evokes internally those feelings of, you know, ambivalence and can around the, the, the revenge right promising young woman definitely did this as well we'll not get into it but it is definitely a something yes. that is examined mm -hmm. in that film and both of them really make you kind of like self-assess and and i think that this one does as well especially with that one scene in particular and if you start to like actually unpack the things that she's doing right but it goes down so easy <laughs> yeah because there are some moments where it's emotional and you feel really sad for her and you like recognize her level of grief and stuff but they're short-lived and there's all this wacky stuff around it so yeah it's fun. i mean <laughs> i think in part it's because unlike those like it really leans into the feelings of catharsis like yeah. yes it's complicated and it does make you think but it also allows you to kind of have fun in the way that you do with a revenge film those things are not completely stripped away as they are in those other films yeah so i love that this movie doesn't really like pull any punches that it's just like she goes for it it's violent and it, you know, opens with this killing. It ends with a killing and uh, there are like beats in between, but there's a killing. Like she murders somebody about every 15 minutes of this yeah. movie. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's yep. really, it's really great. But I think honestly, like this movie is so much fun. 
there are some moments of true comedy in it, but it also handles maternal ambivalence and yes. grief in really interesting yes. ways. Yep. I think because like she thinks that her baby is this like sentient thing talking to her. It kind of separates her from her pregnancy, even while the baby is inside her. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's really interesting, especially because she clearly is not thrilled about eventually becoming a mother, yeah. which is I think something that's so important to like explore in movies like this. And when she's had that baby, there is this moment where she sees it's not a murderous baby. It's normal. But then she does ultimately make the decision to abandon the baby so that she can go seek revenge, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. not turn into, okay, I can do this. I can be a mother. I can move forward. We've watched a lot of like maternal horror movies, especially mm-hmm. this year. I feel like there's been so many of yeah. them. Um, well, there's some things happening in the world right uh, now. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. Um, but I still think this one has something interesting to say here. You know? Yeah. There's this great, it's uh, there's a couple of great lines when she is confronting, we're just going to call him Nandor. Let's just yeah. do it. Let's yeah, commit. Yeah. We'll lean in. Um, at the Halloween party where she says, when she discovers that his wife or girlfriend is also pregnant, yeah. she says, your child was born in, out of pleasure. Mine was born out of pain. And then she says, he says something about her being pregnant. And she said, I'm just stating rage. Those are such such incredible lines. Just absolutely brilliant because they reinforce the theme so powerfully of maternal ambivalence and and the rage of like the thing that she's over there cooking is not just a child, but like she is nurturing and feeding and growing her rage. Um, Just really beautiful encapsulations of the theme. And I'm just like, damn Alice you can write you can write <laughs> like if I was gonna get like a, something written like a tattoo I feel like I, I'm just stating rage would be right at the top right. <laughs> <laughs> oh of gosh. things yeah but I, I also think it's like juxtaposed with these conversations that she has with the doctor which are horrifying in oh a new way oh my god way. that doctor is awful with the like you there got a force of nature in there baby knows best all of those conversations yeah, it's all this way that you all these ways in which you lose like bodily autonomy mm-hmm. not just because there's literally like a parasite growing inside <laughs> you, but also in the way that society treats you like yeah. your body s- ceases to be your own when you're pregnant like i remember when my sister was pregnant both times and people would just like come up and touch her belly without asking no it's touch. so weird no touch yeah Oh, and people think that they weird. can just like offer you advice, not just about raising kids, but about your pregnancy, about what you should be eating, what vitamins you should be taking, how you should be caring for yourself, what type of birth you should have, all of these things. You know, people just feel like they have ownership somehow over it. Mm-hmm. And I think what is interesting about the conversation with Kate Dickey, especially, is that it's pinpointing this thing where it's like when you're pregnant, people feel like they have every say in the world over what happens to your body. But the second you give birth to that kid, yeah, society shuns you. <laughs> like You get zero support yeah. uh, emotionally, financially, anything, at least in our society. And people start judging you for every decision you make as a mother. And you right. lose the ability to earn as much money as like your husband if you're you know, a married straight couple. 
Right. No, I mean, that's so interesting. You're right. Because like there is on one hand, there's like the miracle that is being touted by the doctor. Yeah. And then there's the reality of the financial part of it. She's like, we really need the money. And she's like, well, you know, people will be wondering if we're going to be off having a baby in a teepee. Like there's no. <laughs> so fucked. Like the reality of actually providing for that child is not treated with the same level of reverence as the like miracle of motherhood is on the on during the pregnancy yes exactly Exactly. (sighs) i mean it's almost like people should have choice and reproductive rights (laughs) imagine that but yeah i think that this movie it's interesting that she was so pregnant at the time when she was writing this this yeah i mean that's what i was saying when you can feel it because i it's like it all definitely is coming from a very real place and i think that that comes across in the movie loud and clear you know Mm -hmm. Like, this is her rage. It's not just something she was projecting, like, fantasizing about, you know? This is, like, hers. (laughs) Right. Like, presumably, her child was one that she wanted. But, like, I think you're making huge decisions and, like, ambivalence and complicated feelings and, like, analysis in a way is going to happen in a way that it would not happen under other circumstances. Right. And she had the firsthand experience of, like, the job stuff being an issue, too, right? Yes, exactly. I mean, like, I think that Kate Dickey scene probably, I mean, it's it's adapted, but it comes from the same sort of root feelings yeah. that she had about being like, this door is closing to me because I'm having a child. Um, in other interviews, she talked about, like, how there are lots of male directors who have kids, but, like, there is that double standard about women. Like, when you're the mother, that is the sacrifice of everything else must be made, even, even right. if you're partnered. There's the expectation that will always be up to the woman to to prioritize the child right if there are kids and somebody has to be with them it's mm-hmm. got to be the mother and that means it's okay for us to expect the husband to work long hours and us not give the job to this woman with a you know a kid yeah i mean i i loved all those conversations she had with the doctor i felt like they were really illuminating like the way when she says like i would give this baby up if i could have my husband back yeah yeah, those that's got to be a real feeling that people deal with in situations like this, you know, and it's also incredibly taboo, right? Yeah. And, and yet somehow the way it's delivered in this, I don't feel like she comes away from that statement vilified. I, no. I mean, I don't know. Maybe other people would feel differently, but I feel like it's such a human moment that you have a great deal of empathy for her, even though what she's saying is something that is considered absolutely taboo. Yeah, I mean, I just I can imagine feeling that way because as much as you've had this kid like living inside of you for, you know, months or whatever, and maybe have even been dreaming about having a kid for a while, your husband is somebody that you knew and had an intimate relationship with. So saying Mm -hmm. that you would rather have that than this person you don't know. I get Mm -hmm. that. I feel that. And it was heartbreaking to hear her say it. Yeah. Yeah, but it was also like weirdly cathartic to hear it said too. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. It's just that I think in that moment you recognize how much grief she's really dealing with. You know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, grief is something that is. I think we reach kind of like a critical mass with with grief and horror. Personally, like I kind of yeah. need a little. I need a new theme. I need a, a, a break from that. But there was something about maybe because this movie balances so much of this dark content with like dark humor, Mm -hmm. like it never felt heavy really to me. 
this movie, I want to be clear, is very funny. And the writing is so fantastic. I love just so much irony in all of, like, the conversations that she's having with the doctor, the conversations she has with each of the people before she kills them. Like, the things, the language that they use, like, it it's totally mundane but you are watching it through her perspective knowing the the subtext of what she's viewing the conversation with and it becomes incredibly ironic in a way that is very enjoyable like the making cuts making tough cuts or you know when she's talking to predators (laughs) and you know all those kinds of things are just and there's also like kind of like real laugh out loud moments too Mm -hmm. for me one of the big ones was she's having a like laying on her bed having a conversation with the fetus and she says kids these days are really spoiled it's like mommy i want a playstation mommy i want you to kill that man (laughs) (laughs) i mean and it comes down to her incredible delivery and like her ability to switch back and forth and be like she can make you like she can be an aching raw emotional wound one second and then a veil drops and then it's just this like like I said like this deeply British sort of flat humor that Mm -hmm. I love so much I am especially thinking of the when she's kind of going back and forth with Yara Greyjoy yeah and she like she she drops the pretense and it's just like (laughs) you know like kind of like what are you doing here yeah (laughs) like all of that all of that interaction when they're like fighting is just excellent comedy and then a, a scene later she can she'll break your heart when you just see like you know the wound or the madness you know yeah. what i mean yeah oh the moment when she kills the like the guy from the bar in his house oh. and <laughs> when oh. the mother walks out and sees his yeah. dead body and she's like that's gonna need some bleach yeah oh, I mean that's the thing is I love how complicated the character is yeah. because we know that she will kill witnesses but here instead she like tucks this woman this mo- other mother into bed right this other mother with a selfish child into bed and and she's so kind and so gentle with her and then she goes and does a does load of her laundry I know I mean it's insane it's mad but I it adds these like layers and complexity yeah. and levels of humanity to this character that makes her just feel so realized like she is a revenging fury but she's also all of these other things and the movie takes these little strange moments to really reinforce that she's also incredibly good with a read like her her humor or like her comments are so biting whether it's to nandor or to kate dickey like when she's in there and she's like yeah jumping out of a plane is not a personality right. <laughs> i was like oh and you just and it cuts it mm-hmm. is so cutting and you see it kate dickie is another performer who i just absolutely love like we joke about the breastfeeding thing because it is prevalent in many of her roles but she is to me just an incredible character actor and whatever she, whatever she does she elevates and not that this needs elevating but she certainly really is right because there's role. a moment right. when she yeah when when Ruth says that and then you see her face drop and she realizes she's talking about her and how yeah. small her life really is because she's put everything into her career, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it is, it is very biting and I wish I could be that good at read. <laughs> I don't have that gift, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I don't know. I really think that this is a, to me, it's like a, it's an all time favorite. I love mm-hmm. this film because I feel like I get everything I want from 
a psychological sort of analysis point of view, mm. but it's not, but I also get the catharsis of, of the revenge film. Like it doesn't get it. It's not, you know, I feel like it's thematically and psychologically dense while also just being a good time, which is, I feel like usually it's one or the other, right? Like it's either like pure joyful exploitation, like something like revenge where you just are just bathed in the blood and the catharsis of that film. Or it's something like revenge where it's just, you know, like emotionally grueling and psychologically complex and, you know, Whereas this somehow strikes this perfect balance. And I think a huge part of, I mean, undoubtedly a huge part of it is Lowe's talent as a, as an actor and as a writer. I don't know. I love this movie. (laughs) I'm not going to have any, any uh, (laughs) critiques. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I really have any negatives either. I mean, there's that scene where she's like walking down the street and that flashes back to that like black and white movie. And she gets this like crazed look on her face and she puts her arms out and kind of starts running. And then you see that face again at the end when she goes to push Nandor. And I love that. And it almost made me wish that she had gone more campy with the killings. I think the only reason maybe it wouldn't have worked is because it would have made you wonder whether that was actually happening or it was just in her head. Whereas because they're so real and grounded, you're like, okay, this is she's actually like basically a serial killer at this point. But part of me kind of wished she had gone like full camp with those killings because it's just so much fun to watch her do that yeah. insane face, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's great. It's a great callback, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it is, it's seated in, we see the fury, then we yeah. see her doing it and we hear the, the the child telling her like, don't get cocky, like rein it in. So that when it happens again at the end, it's just a flash, but it tells you everything. Right. Right. And there's also no more fetus to tell her to rein anything Mm-mm. in. No, it, it is like this very quick in the, this is a weird. This is going to be a weird combination because they're okay. very, very different. But in the same way that St. Maud and a flash told you everything you needed to know mm. about the character and about the end. It, it It's so quick. It could be yeah. ambiguous, but it's so well delivered. You know exactly what yeah. happened. Same thing here. Yeah, like you absolutely. could see this as an ambiguous end, but no, because we have these breadcrumbs of mm-hmm. the fury and we're like, oh no, she, this is, this is the truth of her. Like yeah. she's now seen the child. Like this did not break whatever psychosis spell she had going. Like I never thought the baby was actually talking to her, but like we, right. I always felt like it was, you know, her, but what I'm saying is like, even facing the reality of that child did not change even learning the truth about how her husband was going to leave her didn't change mm-hmm. anything like this rage is who she is. She is. Yeah. A fury. It's like all encompassing at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Which is bleak and grim, but her delivery makes it, makes it fun. <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Oh, I do have one complaint. Uh Oh, uh Oh, how dare you? How dare you? All right. Okay. Lay it on me. That scene in the cab when he pukes in his hair, his wig. Okay. I was eating during that scene. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) and normally I can eat through anything. I was fine when he barfed into his hair, but when he kissed her with the mouth covered in puke, my, you know how, when you go on a roller coaster and like it Uh goes down for the first Uh time and your Uh stomach does that swoop, Uh my stomach did that swoop while I was eating. I was like, Oh no, Oh no. Is this what other people feel? Cause this is bad. (laughs) <laughs> yes, this is why I always make us pause the horror movie when yeah, it's time to eat. I get it now. Ah, 
Ah, yeah, look at this. <laughs> Building bridges, finding empathy, common ground. It's a beautiful thing. This is why we do this. This yeah. is why we do this. All right. Any final thoughts okay. before we wrap it up? My very final thought before we wrap up okay. is just that I... <laughs> I went to look up the name of Kate Dickey when I was writing the synopsis because I couldn't remember her last name. I wanted to say Kate Dolan, but then I remember that's the name of that director. Anyways, when you Google a movie, you know how those like Google reviews will pop up? Those like user audience reviews? Yeah. Okay. This is one that caught my eye. (laughs) Okay. Let's hear it. (laughs) Just two sentences. Most traumatizing movie I've ever seen. I got oh. it from the dollar store, so I thought it would be bad quality and poor plot, but then there was a whole PP cut off. <laughs> End of review. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. Uh, you know, I'm looking, I wanted to see if there were any like good um, trivia things about this, and like there is a lot of people who did not like this movie. That's wild to me. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, think it's pretty great. Like, well, I think so too, but I if you're looking for Halloween or something, like mm-hmm. this is a different kind of horror movie. If you don't watch these kind of art house horror movies, then it might not be up your alley. Hmm. Oh, I just learned that if you want to know what film the the Furies are in, it is called Crime Without Passion from 1934. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, aesthetically, it was very cool. So. Yeah, very, very cool. Maybe maybe I should be a fury. I don't know. Ooh. Hmm, we'll see. We'll see. All right, folks. If you have not watched this, like I said, it is on Shutter or AMC Plus and it is rentable. You absolutely, I think it's quite clear we think you should. Yep. But we'll make it official. Would you recommend? Of course. Same. Absolutely. Easy recommend, blanket recommend. I think anyone and everyone should watch this movie. All right. For those of you at home, we'd love to hear from you. Did you like this movie? Did you have some thoughts about it that we did not touch on? Do you want to tell us what you're going to be for Halloween? I would lo- I would like to know. Would you like to send us Halloween photos of you in your costumes? I would look at those. You can do that by sending us messages at rachel at zombiegirls.com. You can come chat with us over on the Zombie Girls Facebook page. And of course, as always, you can slide in to the DMs on Instagram, Twitter, and threads at ZGPodcasts. That's podcast with an s and if you love the show and you're feeling like giving us a holiday treat you should definitely leave us a review on apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your pods rate review all that good stuff five stars we'll take it we'd love it make us feel good and if you're looking for something spooky to watch tonight i guarantee there's something new this week because we are in october this is when we reign supreme our people and uh there is tons and tons of stuff on on the various streaming services and vod and you can find out when and where they will all be available on our video on demand and streaming calendar at zombiegirls.com if you don't want to wear a costume but you want to wear something cool for halloween you should check out our merch at zombiegirls.com forward slash merch and if you want to support us you can do that by joining our patreon at patreon.com forward slash zombiegirls we get extended episodes bonus episodes you just hang out on the discord so that just leaves our plan for the next episode now ariel it's your turn what are we watching we are going to be watching the five nights at freddy movie oh <laughs> damn that's exciting it is exciting ah that is emma tammy right that's yes the that 
I'm very based on the video game series. So I'm curious, like, is it going to be Willy's Wonderland again or are they going to do something different? Well, I mean, it's very interesting because like the other thing she did was that uh, the the wind movie about the like woman who's going crazy on the planes. And then she did that werewolf movie that you and I reviewed that I can't think of the name of right now where it's like the mother protecting her werewolf child. Oh, that's child. right. Yeah, that is an interesting trajectory. <laughs> right? Because like, those are both much more like serious, I feel like, than whatever Five Nights at Freddy's movie is going to be. Yeah. But, I don't know. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm very excited. Hopefully Matthew it's not Lillard. her Meg too. That's, right. that's the, right, right. Don't let it be her Meg too. Down maybe? Was that what it was called? No, that's yeah. no, it was something like moon something, right? Yeah. I'm trying, I'm trying to remember what it was called. I feel bad that I don't know off the top of my head. I should know this, but I just, yeah, my brain ain't, she ain't what she used to be. We've covered a lot of movies over the years. Blood Moon. That's what Blood it was. Moon, it was called yeah. Blood Moon. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be fun. I'm really looking forward to that. It's getting a theatrical release. So we support that. We're excited about that. One of the things that we have definitely seen change is that there are a lot more women directed horror films since we started this podcast. I'm not saying that's correlation, not causation, although I am a little bit of a narcissist, maybe a little. (laughs) No, just kidding. But what hasn't changed is there has not been a ton of theatrically released direct woman directed horror films and cocaine bear being an exception. So that is exciting. Let's celebrate it. Let's all go to the movie theaters and see five night at Freddy's. All right. So unless you are sticking around for the extended episode, that is it for us tonight. Ariel, take us out. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of more deadly. We hope you enjoyed our review of Prevenge. If you have not watched it, go fix that now. It's great. And uh, happy Halloween, everybody. Bye. Happy Halloween. I don't know what that was. (laughs) You're a goofball. (laughs) I know. I've lost my mind. It's, It's been a week, girl. It's been a week. So he's kind of like, he's doing okay, but he's kind of shuffling around here and he jumped down behind the couch. Like there's a space behind the couches. Oh, and then couldn't get out. And then couldn't get out. Oh, poor baby. So I had to pick him up and bring him out, but I was reaching down there and didn't realize there's a sheet over the window because we don't have window coverings yet. (laughs) So I wasn't expecting the windowsill to be there. So I smashed my eye into the windowsill and it like I have my glasses on. So it hit my glasses and it pushed into my face. So then my glasses had like a perfect eye shape in them (laughs) with like the greasy, sweaty oil around my eye. Oh my god, Rachel. The comedy of errors over there. How am I a functioning human adult? I sure I don't, don't feel like one. Yeah, I always <laughs> figured there would be like this point where you felt like yeah. a real adult person. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I uh, feel like I'm gonna be 80 and I'm still not gonna feel like it, you know? I mean, are we gonna make it to 80? I don't know that we have the survival skills. Oh, I know. <laughs> Kate's dad <laughs> was getting uh redoing his insurance the last time I visited. Uh-huh. He was looking at actuary table, actuary tables. Is that what they're called? Uh-huh. Actuarial tables. Anyways. Uh-huh. Um, and he was like the third leading cause of death or something is, um, or maybe it was the fifth is like falls. Ooh. And he was like, Ariel, <laughs> that is 100% how you're going to die. <laughs> and I was like, oh, damn. Oh, 
Ooh, you're like, this hurts my feelings because it feels accurate. Yes, yes, it does. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's animal attack for me, but maybe <laughs> fall. <laughs> maybe you'll just be like crushed under a pile of cats. You'll just keep acquiring oh, more and more man. until they suffocate you. I could only hope. Like, <laughs> they say, you know, find something you love to do and you have a work a day in your mm -hmm. life. Like, get crushed <laughs> by cats and you might as well live forever. Like, it's that is. That is the dream. <laughs> Just like I want to be like that thing from the the Salem Witch Museum where they're like piling the rocks on the guy and he's like more rocks. I'm gonna be like that, but I'm be like more cats. <laughs> oh my god, you're a goofball. Okay, well I guess we should probably get into this now. <laughs> Jesus, what a night! <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Let's get into it. Okay, so now, oh. I should probably introduce this. <laughs> that would help. <laughs> I, in my defense, I have a head injury now. <laughs> I was already excuses, having a rough excuses. one. And I now have like, what is that? Uh, C CPT? No. <laughs> Traumatic brain injury. D T B. I can't even spell. <laughs> Hello, everyone. And welcome to the extended episode. <laughs> AKA more deadly after traumatic brain injury. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Girl, I am so glad that you are in charge of the episode tonight. Uh -huh. Cause clearly I cannot be trusted. What are we doing? Okay. <laughs> so we are going to be talking about elevator game. Oh, <laughs> which I know is a little bit odd because we reviewed a different movie tonight. But you and I both have seen Elevator Game, and we don't think we're going to have time to really talk about it on the show. Right. And I had done all this research already <laughs> into what the real Elevator Game is. So no we're going to talk about it. good deed unpunished. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, I'm excited because while we're not going to talk about the movie, I do think it's based, like, from what I saw in the film, the urban legend or the creepypasta or whatever it is that inspired it was interesting but I don't know anything about it except for like that it is a thing and that like maybe someone at the Cecil Hotel was playing it yeah that's fine okay okay yeah well, I'm gonna shut up then I don't want to be stealing <laughs> nobody's thunder because but I genuinely don't know anything about it so I'm very 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 excited to learn okay so yeah I was super curious about it too because until this movie came out I had never even heard of the elevator game mm. so yeah I was it was interesting to read about but basically what you're talking about with the Cecil Hotel is totally a thing and for people who watched like the Netflix special crime scene the vanishing at Cecil Hotel uh -huh. you may already know this story 